for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, staff writer Steve Berman joins us as we dig into some of the best trades and transactions in Bay Area sports history. From Jerry Rice to Dennis Eckersley, Andre Iguodala to Marco Scudero. Oh yeah, you Giants fans know we had to spend at least a couple minutes talking about scoots. So let's have some fun. It's Monday, July 13th. Well, Steve, thanks for joining us again. This was such a fun read. So let's just start there. How did you come up with this awesome idea? Well, it's just kind of fun to think about trades. I know that we're all missing games right now with everything that's been going on. But uh, I think another thing that people are missing is all of the transactions. There's been some, you know, the NFL has actually kind of helped us out a little bit with some different uh, signings and transactions and trades going on a little bit here and there. But I think when people talk about stuff that you can argue about still to this day i think what is a good trade or a bad trade still registers even you know not just you know a couple years later but uh several decades later what parameters did you set for yourself in order to narrow the scope before you dug into the actual trades there's a lot of different trades that sort of end up years down the road looking better and generally you're talking about trades and draft picks. So I kind of tried to avoid a situation where, say, a team traded someone for draft picks three, four, five years down the road, and those picks ended up either being really great players or inconsequential players. The only really draft trade that I brought up was actually the one that I listed as number one, the trade for Jerry Rice, because Bill Walsh was specifically targeting Rice when he made that trade to move up in the first round to pick number 16 and get Rice when he made the trade with the Patriots. He knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted Jerry Rice. That's why they moved up. I included that one. But other than that, it was mostly just trades where you knew exactly what you were getting when the trade was made. So do you remember any trades that that qualifier that you said ruled out? Yeah, in 1986, the 49ers made an incredible amount of draft moves. And they ended up moving down in the draft Bill Walsh just went crazy. I think they made six different trades during that 1986 draft. And that's when they ended up with just a ridiculous amount of contributing players. Charles Haley was the Hall of Famer that they ended up getting in the fourth round. That's right. They ended up with Don Griffin and Larry Roberts and all these different players in that draft that end up being contributors. But it wasn't because they were exactly targeting each of those players. They just knew they had players that were valued higher than they would probably go. But it was pretty tough to say, okay, well, this time when they traded the 37th pick for the 54th and the 83rd, (laughs) it was just kind of confusing. And so I kind of stayed away from that. So mostly the trades that I picked were generally, you know, pretty famous trades where one guy was traded for another guy or maybe one guy was traded for two players, that sort of thing. So what trades came to mind that you didn't really have to research because you just knew in your gut, in your sports memory, how big a deal they were here in the Bay Area? Well, one of the first ones I remember as a kid that really got me excited about trades in general was when the Giants, but 1987, which is kind of dating me in terms of how old I am, uh, (laughs) they actually were starting to look pretty good, but they weren't quite ready to make the jump yet. And Al Rosen, the Giants GM at the time, went and actually made a trade in a division with the Padres and they got Kevin Mitchell, 
Dave Becky and Craig Lefferts for a package that included Chris Brown, who was one of my favorite players at the time. He had a bunch of weird injuries. I think he was the guy who uh, went on the DL because he slept on his eye funny. And oh, then there geez. was also in that trade, they traded Keith Comstock, Mark Davis, and Mark Grant. So there's a lot of names in that trade. And Kevin Mitchell obviously won MVP two years later. Dravecki was really good when he pitched. Obviously, he had a lot of bad luck medically, and that was sad, but he was really good when he did pitch. And Craig Lefferts was also a valuable reliever, so that trade remade the team. The Giants won 90 games, won the NLS for the first time in just a ridiculous amount of time, and that was uh, really exciting, I think, for the Bay Area and sort of set the stage for people expecting the Giants, especially in the A's, to make big deadline moves every single July. I'm so glad that you included that one in the list because I remember they traded for Mitchell, but I think I might be just a few years younger than you, or maybe my memory is just not as good. That's probably what it is. So it was nice to get a little refresher there. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Steve, what trades that made the list did you really have to look into before you realized, okay, yeah, this is a big deal. This was a big trade at the time. I think one was definitely trading for Dennis Eckersley when the A's did that. I still have no idea who they actually dealt to the Cubs. The names, <laughs> Brian Gwynn, Mark Leonette, Dave Wilder. But the Eckersley trade's kind of interesting just because when they brought him in, they thought he was a decent starter who had had great times earlier in his career, especially with the Red Sox. And then I believe he made two starts with the A's until Tony LaRusso said, hey, listen, let's try this guy out at closer. And then the rest is history. There's some other trades in there too. I mean, the Iguodala trade I knew – in terms of when it happened, I thought, gosh, the Warriors, I think, actually are on their way to being a competent franchise for the first time uh, since I can remember. But then you look at everything that happened, you actually have to do some cutting and pasting from basketball reference because there's no way you can remember every single thing that was given up in that trade. You know, <laughs> Adrian, Richard Jefferson, Brandon Rush, a bunch of first-round picks. And so you had to kind of uh, look at that and see all the different webs that were tangled through that Bob Myers had to figure out to bring Iguodala in, which kind of set the stage for the Warriors being a five-time finals team. You let us right into it because obviously we don't have time to run through all 20. But in the top three, which is where you ended up listing the Andre Iguodala trade, I think a lot of Warriors fans would say the trade for Andre should be number one as opposed to where it landed. So how did you order your top three trades and did you struggle at all with how you ended up with them? Whenever you do these kind of rankings lists, especially on a historical basis, when you're comparing different eras and teams, it's pretty much impossible, and you know the commenters will let you know where you screwed up. Still, which is great. <laughs> right. It's actually nice, you know. It's you know you come from the sports radio background too. If people don't care, then you know that it's not a good thing. You want people to actually be responding and questioning what you're saying. Yeah, I think maybe some Warriors fans would think that. I think I had some Sharks fans who thought maybe the Brent Burns trade should have made it on there, and I was actually one of the mm. ones that barely missed the cut. But the only reason why Iguodala wasn't, you know, number one or number two is because he's a Hall of Famer, but he also was coming off the bench throughout his career. And that wasn't really a situation where I think it's kind of the same as trading for Steve Young, which was that number two trade on the list. And Steve Young obviously didn't really pay off right in the beginning. And, you know, if anything, it really upset Joe Montana and the fans of Joe Montana after the trade was made. <laughs> yeah. But he obviously blossomed into a Hall of Fame quarterback. And then Jerry Rice, who to me is in the conversation for best athlete ever in Bay Area pro sports history, the fact that you're able to trade up in the draft and land him at 16 
just showed that Bo Walsh was uh, obviously one of the best draft day sort of uh, wizards, if you think about trades, moving up, moving down, moving around, that uh, ever existed. Yeah, it is wild reading through all the different trades that he was a part of and helped lead the way with. Any trade, Steve, that you hope to be discussing in the next few years when sports return? I think one definitely that almost made the cut, but I couldn't quite put him there yet, was Jimmy G. I mean, you already look at it, it's probably a pretty good trade just already. He's a pretty polarizing player at this point. I think one thing we learned during the pandemic with people kind of uh, trying to search for things to argue about, Garoppolo has probably become that arguing point, at least on the right. Twitter sphere, where people have been saying that he's great or... You know, he should have made that pass to Sanders and they stopped uh, actually throwing the ball during the playoffs because maybe Shanahan didn't trust him, yada, yada, yada. They can not defend mm-hmm. him. So we don't really know what his future is going to hold, but trading a second round pick for him already, you're getting a starting quarterback. That's pretty good value. And I think the Niners got pretty lucky that Bill Belichick wanted to trade him as far away from the Patriots as possible. You know, maybe if, if he ends up blossoming and becoming you know, one of the league's better quarterbacks, then that trade shoots up the rankings into the top 10 pretty easily. Any other trades that you thought about, you percolated on, but they didn't make the cut? Well, the Burns trade was definitely in there. There's a few other Sharks trades, I think, that uh, didn't quite make it. Also, the Giants made some good deals during the World Series years that I almost put in. Javier Lopez, I think. I, I kind of bounced back and forth between including Marco Scudero and that trade I did just because that was such a crazy amount of impact at the time because he was pretty much the hottest hitter in the National League after the Giants traded for him. Three and one to Scudero. Coke pitches and Scudero lines one into center field. Jackson will have to play it on a bounce. Terrio tearing around third. Here comes the throw of the slide. He's safe at home plate and the Giants have gone ahead four to three. You know, it's kind of having a nondescript year with the Rockies and Lopez when they traded for him was just incredible, especially in the playoffs. You look at that and how, you know, he was able to face left-handers and how effective he was, especially, you know, right in that Philly series against guys like Utley and Ryan Howard. The pitch to Howard. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a slow breaking ball, and that will end the inning. Lopez goes one, two, three. That was huge as well. Freddy Sanchez was another one, too, that just missed the cut. And uh, the fact that he was actually became kind of a fan favorite. We haven't really seen much of him since then, but he was a guy who, when the Giants traded for him, it was kind of a controversial move because you were going for a veteran second baseman and giving up a young pitcher. But he ended up going pretty well for the Giants, obviously, since they won in 2010. Finally, your companion piece. Knew this one was coming. The 20 worst trades in Bay Area sports history just came out. Now, for folks who haven't seen it yet, any names that you'd like to throw out there for for tease purposes to get them to check that out as well? Well, one is a name that we're all going to know for different reasons. O.J. Simpson definitely made the list. The 49ers decided back in the late 70s to trade for O.J. and give up just a boatload of draft picks. Joe Thomas was the GM at the time. He made that trade. O.J. Simpson had a bum knee, and actually it was coming off a concussion the year before as well, and was never the same running back when he came to San Francisco. And the 49ers obviously didn't uh, like the results of that trade, so Bill Walsh ended up uh, getting hired pretty soon afterwards. So that ended up going okay. You know, at the time, not, not the best trade. I think uh, one that uh, everyone is going to uh, remember right off the top is 
just how many bad trades the Warriors had over the 80s and 90s. Joe Barry Carroll for Robert Parrish in a trade that also landed the Celtics number three pick, which ended up being Kevin McHale. That was uh, not the best trade either. And then the Giants made some really bad moves throughout the late 60s, early 70s. George Foster trading him to the Reds. You think about uh, Ray Sadecki, they traded uh, Orlando Cepeda to get him. Gaylord Perry trading him away. There was a lot to choose from there. It was actually arguably a little bit tougher to rank the worst trades just because there's so much emotion involved in these trades and it's sort of difficult. You can't just exactly look at war or VORP or wind shares or anything like that. Right. There's so much else <laughs> that goes into it, including emotion, which is kind of where AJ Pruszynski falls into. So you think about all these different ways that people can get upset about trades and those worst trades, I try to encapsulate just all that sort of uh, negative emotion that people kind of still hold on to today. <laughs> And you did a great job of that, just like you did joining us here today. Steve, this was so much fun. Thanks for coming on. Oh, of course, Kate. Thanks. Anytime. Well, if you haven't yet, hopefully I made it clear enough in our chat that you have to check out these articles. They're awesome. 20 best and 20 worst trades in Bay Area sports history. They'll definitely make you smile and laugh. And we all need that right now, right? So we've linked to both of them in the description notes of our podcast here today. All right. Well, this is typically the part of the outro where I remind you to rate, review, and subscribe, which you should still most definitely do if you haven't yet. But this is also my final show. My time at the Athletic Podcast Network has come to an end for now. So I want to say a big thank you to Tim Kawakami, who initially approached me with the idea of hosting this podcast. Thanks, Tim, for thinking of me. Thanks to Tanika Smothers for helping us get the update off the ground. Thanks to my producer and editor, Brian Smith, for handling my perfectionism with understanding and and ease, and also doing a damn good job of adding polish to each and every show. Brian, seriously, I know that sometimes I was a lot. Thank you. Working with you was awesome. Thanks to my old friends at KNBR, Lee Hammer for giving us the okay to use their sound, and Tim Webb and Mike Holer for then being kind enough to look for and pass that sound along every time we asked. Appreciate all the guests who were so giving of their time and insight, including Steve Berman here today. And of course, thank you each and every one of you for listening, for really just giving us a chance. It means so much to me, so much to all of us here, whether you listen to one podcast, one podcast a month, or every podcast since we launched. Thank you. All right, that's a wrap. Stay safe and healthy, okay? Have as good a summer as you can. I'm Kate Scott, signing off for now. Looking forward to talking to you all again down the road. (music) 